Chapter 12 of A Confession by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Almer Maud. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The consciousness of the error in reasonable knowledge helped me to free myself from the temptation of idle ratiocination. The conviction that knowledge of truth can only be found by living led me to doubt the rightness of my life, but I was saved only by the fact that I was able to tear myself from my exclusiveness and to see the real life of the plain working people and to understand that that alone is real life. I understood that if I wished to understand life and its meaning, I must not live the life of a parasite, but must live a real life, and, taking the meaning given to life by the real humanity and merging myself in that life, verify it. During that time this is what happened to me. During that whole year, when I was asking myself almost every moment whether or not I should end matters with a noose or a bullet, all that time, together with my course of thought and the observation about which I have spoken, my heart was oppressed with a painful feeling, which I can only describe as a search for God. I say that that search for God was not reasoning, but a feeling, because that search proceeded not from the course of my thoughts, it was even directly contrary to them, but proceeded from the heart. It was a feeling of fear, orphanage, isolation in a strange land, and a hope of help from someone. Though I was quite convinced of the impossibility of proving the existence of a deity, Kant had shown, and I quite understood him, that it could not be proven, I had yet sought for God, hoping that I could find him, and from old habit addressed prayers to that which I had sought but had not found. I went over in my mind the arguments of Kant and Schopenhauer showing the impossibility of proving the existence of a god, and I began to verify those arguments and refute them. Cause, said I to myself, is not a category of thought such as our time and space. If I exist, there must be some cause of it, and a cause for causes. And that first cause of all is what men have called God. And I paused on that thought and tried with all my being to recognize the presence of that cause. And as soon as I acknowledged that there is a force in whose power I am, I at once felt that I could live. But I asked myself, what is that cause, that force? How am I to think of it? What are my relations to that which I call God? And only the familiar replies occurred to me. He is the creator and the preserver. This reply did not satisfy me, and I felt that I was losing within me what I needed for my life. I became terrified, and began to pray to him whom I sought, that he should help me. But the more I prayed, the more apparent it became to me that he did not hear me, and that there was no one to whom I could address myself. And with despair in my heart that there is no God at all, I said, Lord, have mercy, save me, Lord, teach me. But no one had mercy on me, and I felt that my life was coming to a standstill. But again and again, from varying sides, I returned to the same conclusion, that I could not have come into the world without any cause or reason or meaning. I could not be such a fledgling fallen from its nest as I felt myself to be. Or, granting that I be such, lying on my back crying in the high grass, even then I cry because I know a mother has borne me within her, has hatched me, warmed me, fed me, and loved me. Where is she, that mother? If I had been deserted, who has deserted me? I cannot hide from myself that someone bored me, loving me. Who was that someone? Again, God? He knows and sees my searching, my despair, and my struggle. He exists, said I to myself, and I had only for an instant to admit that, and at once life rose within me, and I felt the possibility and joy of being. But again, from the admission of the existence of a God, I went on to search my relation with him. And again I imagined that God, our Creator in three persons who sent His Son, the Savior, and again that God, detached from the world and from me, melted like a block of ice, melted before my eyes, and again nothing remained. And again the spring of life dried up within me, and I despaired and felt that I had nothing to do but kill myself. And worst of all was that I could not do it. Not twice or three times, but tens and hundreds of times I reached those conditions, first of joy and animation, and then of despair and consciousness of the impossibility of living. I remember that it was in early spring. I was alone in the woods listening to its sounds. I listened and thought ever of the same thing, 
as I had continually done during those last three years. I was again seeking God. Very well, there is no God, said I to myself. There is no one who is not my imagination but a reality like my whole life. He does not exist, and no miracles can prove his existence because the miracles would be my imagination, besides being irrational. But my perception of God, of him whom I seek, I asked myself, where does that perception come from? And again at this thought, the glad waves of life rose within me. All that was around me came to life and received a meaning. But my joy did not last long. My mind continued its work. The conception of God is not God, said I to myself. The conception is what takes place within me. The conception of God is something I can evoke or can refrain from evoking in myself. That is not what I seek. I seek that without which there can be no life. And again, all around me and within me began to die, and again I wished to kill myself. But then I turned my gaze upon myself, on what went on within me, and I remembered all those cessations of life and reanimations that had reoccurred within me hundreds of times. I remembered that I only lived at those times when I believed in God. As it was before, so it was now. I need only be aware of God to live. I needed only to forget him or disbelieve him, and I died. What is this animation in dying? I do not live when I lose belief in the existence of God. I should long ago have killed myself had I not a dim hope of finding him. I live, really live, only when I feel him and seek him. What more do you seek? exclaimed a voice within me. This is he. He is that without which one cannot live. To know God and to live is one and the same thing. God is life. Live seeking God, and then you will not live without God. And more than ever before, all within me and around me lit up, and the light did not again abandon me, and I was saved from suicide. When and how this change occurred in me, I could not say. As imperceptibly and gradually the force of life in me had been destroyed, and I had reached the impossibility of living, a cessation of life, and the necessity of suicide, so imperceptibly and gradually did the force of life return to me. And strange to say that the strength of life which returned to me was not new, but quite old, the same that had borne me along in my earliest days. I quite returned to what belonged to my earliest childhood and youth. I returned to the belief in that will which produced me and desires something of me. I returned to the belief that the chief and only aim of my life is to be better, i.e., to live in accord with that will. And I returned to the belief that I can find expression of that will in what humanity in the distant past hidden from has produced for its guidance. That is to say, I returned to a belief in God, in moral perfection, and in a tradition transmitting the meaning of life. There was only this difference, that then all this was accepted unconsciously, while well, now I knew that without it I could not live. What happened to me was something like this. I was put into a boat, I do not remember when, and pushed off from an unknown shore, shown the direction of the opposite shore, had oars put in my unpracticed hands, and was left alone. I rowed as best as I could and moved forward, but the further I advanced towards the middle of the stream, the more rapid grew the current bearing me away from my goal, and the more frequently did I encounter others, like myself, borne away by the stream. There were few rowers who continued to row, there were others who had abandoned their oars, there were large boats and immense vessels full of people. Some struggled against the current, others yielded to it. And the further I went, the more, seeing the progress down the current of all those who were adrift, I forgot the direction given to me. In the very center of the stream, amid the crowds of boats and vessels which were being borne downstream, I quite lost my direction and abandoned my oars. Around me on all sides, with mirth and rejoicing, people with sails and oars were borne down the stream assuring me and each other that no other direction was possible, and I believed them and floated with them, and I was carried far, so far that I heard the roar of the rapids in which I must be shattered, and I saw boats shattered in them, and I recollected myself. I was long unable to understand what had happened to me. I saw before me nothing but destruction, towards which I was rushing and which I feared. I saw no safety anywhere and did not know what to do, 
but looking back I perceived innumerable boats which unceasingly and strenuously pushed against the stream, and I remembered about the shore, the oars, and the direction, and began to pull back upwards against the stream and towards the shore. That shore was God, and the direction was tradition. The oars were the freedom given to me to pull for the shore and unite with God. And so the force of life was renewed in me, and I again began to live. End of chapter 12